Welcome to the Calvary Church Podcast. We're glad that you are here and that you can be a part of a recent service at TCC. So let's join the service, which is already underway, and listen to the message. I feel the burden of the Lord today and don't plan to preach very long, but I feel the burden of the Lord to preach uh, to us today. And I pray that God challenges our hearts and speaks to us through his word. When the Titanic went down in 1912, 11 millionaires went down with it. It is estimated that their combined wealth reached over $200 million. And yet on that night, their money would be worthless to them. Major A.H. Puchin was also a very wealthy man and on the Titanic. In fact, his, in his room on that ship, he, was, he stored and had on that ship over $300,000 worth of jewelry, money, and stocks. As Puchin was sitting down for dinner, the reports came in that the boat had struck an iceberg. And even though at the time he did not believe that the Titanic would sink, he started to go back to his cabin to grab his wealth, but then he stopped and he decided to go out to find a lifeboat instead. Huchin recalled, he said, the money seemed a mockery at the time. I picked up three oranges instead. And so by the time Puchin got into a lifeboat, it became abundantly clear that the Titanic was going to sink. And his decision to leave his wealth and grab the oranges very likely saved his life. His money would have been a burden and an inconvenience. The oranges were at least smaller, more maneuverable, and could provide energy for his journey. And as the story goes, the way Puchin got on that raft, he grabbed a rope, swinging off the ship, and slid down 25 feet to the lifeboat. And it would have been very difficult for Puchin to shimmy down the ropes while he held on to his wealth. Not to mention, he likely would have missed out on the lifeboats altogether if he went back for his riches. The major, major Puchin made an important trade that fateful night. A great trade. And I want to speak on that subject this morning. The great trade. Pangs of hunger. Rationed food. Smaller portions. This was the reality that began to settle in on Jacob and his family. The famine was growing extreme and the cravings grew more intense and the anxiety was constant. Could they survive another month? 
Would this week prove fatal to a family member? There was food in Egypt, plenty of food, but not where they were. And in order for them to get the food, it would require an exchange, a trade. The question for Jacob and his family was, are they willing to exchange what they had for life? Were they willing to take what they possessed so that they could find life? And isn't that the question? What will you give for life? What will I give for life? What will you give for success? See, we understand the principle of trade. It's everywhere in our culture from sports teams, trading players, the stock exchange, making trades, and even garage sales. We like to trade a few things at garage sales. Anybody ever traded something? The idea is you give something and you get something. And hopefully what you give doesn't cost you more than what you get. See, trade is an exercise in value assessment. What is this worth versus what is that worth? But it's not just understanding what is this worth and what is that worth, but it's what is this worth to me and what is that worth to me? Jacob had money. Jacob had possessions. He had things that were dear to him and things that seemed to be casual or even superficial. But he had to assess the value of those things compared to his life and the life of his family. And isn't that the most important uh, important value assessment. So we read in Genesis chapter 43 that the famine was severe in the land. And it came to pass when they had eaten up the grain which they had brought from Egypt, it was all gone, that their father Jacob said to them, go back and buy us a little food. Now, this is a pretty common story or popular story in the Bible about Joseph and his brothers, but I'm not going to dive into it at that level. But we realize that Jacob realized that there was an issue here. Either he was going to hold on to his stuff or he was going to find life. In verse 11, it says, Jacob said to them, if it must be so, then do this. Take some of the best fruits of the land in your vessels and carry down a present for the man, a little balm. He had balm, a little honey, some spices, some myrrh, some pistachio, nuts and almonds. And take double the money in your hand and take back in your hand the money that was returned to the mouth of your bags. Perhaps it was an oversight. He's saying, I've got some things in my possession. We have some things in our hands. But he determined that the money and the fruit 
and the balm and the honey and the spices and the pistachios and the myrrh and the almonds were no longer of greater value than that of the grain that provided life. In other words, what good is this money if we starve to death? What good is this honey if we die? Let's trade. And what I feel challenged to ask us today is what is your eternal life worth to you? What is your eternal life worth to you? For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? What value is it, Jacob, if you have money and your family starves? What value is it if you have honey and almonds, but you die with it? What value is it if you have coin in your hand, but that hand clenches the death of you? What value is it if you have pleasures in this life, but you burn for eternity in a devil's hell? What are you holding on to that seems so valuable now, but could cost you eternity? There's a known issue that people have, and it's called hoarding. And it's tragic if you look into it, and shows have been done about it, and research, and all kinds of things. But the tragedy of hoarding is that those who are hoarders assign equal value to everything. And we understand, and I want us to understand, that everything does not have equal value. It is sad when people fill their houses with meaningless things. So much so that the things that are valuable are actually lost. And may I warn us today to be careful that we not fill our lives up with things of temporal value at the expense of things of eternal value. Hobbies and habits and happiness is not equal to time spent with God. It is not equal. Netflix is not equal in value to reading and spending time and listening to God's word. Scrolling the internet and our favorite social media platform is not of equal value than us praying and finding the mind of God alone in a prayer closet. Not all things are equal because the reality is when everything is of equal value, nothing is of value. The sad reality of hoarding is when you assign equal value to everything, you actually lose freedom and it costs you your life. In the 1930s, two brothers in New York City died. The one was paralyzed and the other was trying to get him something to eat and 
They had set up traps in their house to try to keep off people from intruding. And when he went to go get food, that trap fell on him. And he wasn't able to get help. And they both starved. The sad part was that they had filled their house with 185 tons of trash and stuff. And what they had collected, what they had kept... What seemed so important to them actually took their life. What was meaningless was of equal value as what was so much of value, and that was their own life. And Jacob decided that holding on to his possessions and holding on to his money and holding on to his spices was not worth his life nor the life of his family. And I would say to us, priorities matter. Jacob, he lets go of the things that were once valuable to him in exchange for what preserves life. Julius Verne, a famous author of 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, He wrote another book entitled The Mysterious Island. And it's this story in the gist of the story is about five men who managed to escape a a Civil War prison camp. They did it by hijacking a hot air balloon. And once flowed in this balloon, they had loaded it down with different things. They quickly realized that the wind was going to carry them where they didn't want to go and so They had to figure out what to do, but the problem was it just kept carrying them out over the ocean. As time began to move and they noticed that they were leaving land further and further behind. And the uh, the balloon now was once in the air, starts to come down to earth. They realize there's not enough power to push it up. They begin to throw things overboard. Over the side of the basket, their shoes, their coats, their weapons are all tossed overboard and then the balloon begins to rise again. But it's not enough and again the balloon begins to descend and begins to sink towards the water and so they realize, you know what, we've got some food, we'll start throwing it overboard and goes back up and a little bit later starts to float back down and they're trying to figure out what they're going to do to keep this balloon afloat and so they decide there's got to be something done to the basket they thought about tying themselves cutting the basket loose finally they cut the bottom of the basket and it allows enough height on the balloon to carry them just a little bit further and then finally they see land and they crash that into the ocean and are able to swim to an island. But here's the point. They would ultimately survive not because of what they held on to, but they would survive by what they let go of. And that's the great trade that we have to decide if we're willing to make. I don't know how hard it was for Jacob to decide to double the money and give the fruits and offer that special food. But what we know is that he got something far greater 
in return than any money that he gave or any fruit or any of the food that he gave. Because not only did he get grain in return in that exchange, but he got restoration and he got forgiveness and he got a son back and he got provision for a lifetime. He got things that were intangible and incalculable. And this is the reality of the great trade. You always get more from God when you let go of what you have and reach out to him for what only he can supply. You always get more in return because here's the deal. Jacob really only offered nothing. See, Jacob's money compared to the wealth that Joseph had at his disposal was nothing. I don't know what his money was or what he doubled, but it paled in comparison to the wealth of Egypt that Joseph had. I I, I don't know what the honey was worth or what the almonds was worth, but I know that Egypt had hundreds of barns full of grain, and that honey and that almond was nothing in comparison. So you say, what did Jacob really offer in that moment? What did he really send with them? I'll tell you, it wasn't wealth. It wasn't almonds and pistachios. It was one thing, and that was humility. He said, I am in such a need that I have really nothing to give. All I can give you is this, but I want to tell you that I need you, and I can't live without you. Seems simple, but that's what Jacob really offered. It was nothing. And that's why the writer of Psalm chapter 34 says, The Lord is near those who have a broken heart and save such as have a contrite spirit. It's the broken heart. It's the contrite spirit where you recognize I'm nothing without God. I can do nothing without God. And so the writer of Proverbs said, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. I don't know if you're clinging to your own wisdom today. I don't know if you're clinging to your own sin or your own uh, uh, decisions and your own money and your own wealth and your own abilities, but I'm telling you, that's not going to get you anywhere in the end. At the end of the day, the only thing that's going to get you what you need is to release it and say, God, I need you. Trade it all for him. It's the great trade. And so he says, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Depart from evil. And what will happen? It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. And he says, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of your increase. So your barns will be filled and plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Oh, hallelujah. It's the great trade. We offer nothing, but we get everything. Jacob offered him basically nothing, and he got everything. And so we have the opportunity today to trade things of no value for something 
of incalculable value. And Jesus said to the woman whose brother was dead, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, though he comes to nothing, he shall live. We offer nothing. We offer a life that is destined for death. And he says, if you'll surrender it to me, I will be the resurrection and I will be the life. And so I'm telling somebody today, you have a trade moment available to you today where you can trade your sorrows and you can find peace. You can trade your shame and find joy. You can trade your hatred and your prejudice and find acceptance and love. You can trade that disappointment you have and find purpose in life. You can trade your bondage and you can find freedom from addiction. Oh, it's the great trade. He trades our mourning for dancing. Oh, hallelujah. Why hold on to things of no value at the expense of things that are of real value? And that's eternal life. The image that I had in my head to preach this message was challenging to me that was simply that I and maybe a few others were clinging on to things, holding on to things as if they had real value. Ways of life, things in our life, holding on to them as if they're treasures to us. And God, wanting to be a great God and give us his peace and give us his love, would love to give it to us, but we're holding on. We can't even reach out for what he wants to give us. And I'm telling you today, there's a great trade that's in this room today. There's a great opportunity for you to trade what is meaningless and valueless for something that can absolutely be an amazing blessing in your life. And so Jesus appealed to his disciples and he said, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who who are persecuted for righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom of God blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake and then he said rejoice and be exceeding glad why because there's a trade because there's a trade in all of this Don't be discouraged because it appears you have nothing. Don't be discouraged because you're meek. Don't be discouraged because you're trying to make peace or trying to be merciful. He said, don't be discouraged if you're persecuted, but rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. Well, hallelujah. I don't know what you're living for. 
but I hope you're living for heaven. I hope you're reaching for heaven. I hope everything in your life is pointing you to this idea that God wants you to be with him in eternity. And I don't want anything in my life to keep me from heaven. What does it profit a man? He gains the whole world, but loses his soul. What does it profit a man? He has all the pleasure in life, but spends eternity in hell. What does it profit? I'm telling you today, there's a great trade. And he hasn't left us to just wander and aimlessly try to work through life. But he says, if you'll humble yourself to me, you'll hand over what you cling so tightly to, your own ways, your own thoughts. He said, I've got an exchange for you. I've got a trade for you. Would you stand with me this morning? not going to have us come to the altar this morning, but I'm going to pray for you right where you are. And I believe the Lord can hear your prayer. The Lord wants to know if you'll let go. The things in your life that are keeping God's power and God's presence from permeating every area of your life. It's too difficult, Pastor. Challenge is too much. I felt the Lord just encourage me today that you can make a trade today. Like Jacob grabbed up the, that money grabbed up that honey, grabbed those almonds, said, we're going to make a trade for life today. And would you trade your pleasure for God's joy? Would you trade your happiness for God's purpose in your life? What are you clinging so tightly to that God can't have his way in your life. God, I pray right now for everyone under the sound of my voice. God, you know who would be here today. You know, Lord, those, God, maybe who are clinging to their life, clinging to their way more than they're surrendering to your way. And I'm praying, oh God, that you would help them. Let them find grace today. Let them find mercy today. God, I pray that we would not cling to, God, our finances and cling to things in our life at the expense, God, of your power and presence in our life. We would not cling to our happiness at the expense, Lord, of your purpose being realized. 
But Lord, just as you asked me to let go, God, I know you're asking some other people in this room to surrender all. Surrender everything. And it's not just because you need something from us. It's because you know we can't receive it if we're holding these things in our hearts, in our lives. I pray for freedom today from addiction. I pray the power of God would invade every corner, every area. Lord, and I pray that, God, if we're allowing things in our life to take the place of you, we're allowing things to take the place of our time spent with you, I pray somehow we would make a way. We would hand over out our works of flesh Hand over about our ideas and ideologies that are not like you, that we would find freedom. Thank you, Lord. I wonder if somebody would express your heart to the Lord in your own way. Maybe you lift your hands to the Lord as a sign of surrender, as a, a statement to say, God, I turn it over to you today. I hand it over to you today. God, there's some things maybe that I've picked up along the way and my house that was set apart for you has kind of been cluttered with a lot of other things, Lord. And today, I want to make that trade. I, I don't need these things, Lord. I need your purpose. I need what the good gifts that you have for me. I need your power, your spirit to invade my life. I wonder if somebody would pray a some sincere prayer today. Oh, God, I need you, Lord. Somebody humble yourself to the Lord. I need you. I need you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.